Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business in Dava podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies. And my name is Tutum Tendi. And I am Nikia Amani. And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business. this episode of the AFF podcast. We are so honored to have you here discussing all things African family business. Thank you, Sitsi. It's also a pleasure to be here. I'm delighted to be having this conversation with uh, you and Nike. Thank you. Um, I know we we met previously when we spoke on um, a panel together discussing family businesses and the future of family businesses on the continent. And we really, really enjoyed our conversation there. And I'm hoping that this is going to be a continuation of uh, drinking from the depth of your wealth of knowledge. Well, thank you for that compliment. You ladies also were very um, impressive um, and I'm really delighted to continue this conversation. Really, you know, really impressed with what you're um, looking to achieve um, on the continent. It's really needed. So anywhere I could um, share some of my learnings, experience will be um, a great delight. And so to kick off this discussion and um, to kick off um, this podcast, I'd like to just um, give you a moment to share an overview of your journey and who you are and get our audience to get an understanding on who Nika is and um, why she's talking about family businesses with us today. Okay, thanks. Okay, so my name is Nika Nwobi. Um, I, am current, I currently live in Nairobi. Um, a bit of my professional experience um, I am a chartered accountant certified in England, in, in England, Nigeria, and the U.S. So I have worked in those three countries. Uh, I have an economics degree, and I also have an MBA as well from England. And uh, lived, in, lived outside Africa for about 17 years, 17, 19 years, and relocated, well, moved back to, to Africa. Um, a lot of my experience has been in actually with... Um, with growing businesses, I've, I've been an entrepreneur. I've also been an employee. So I have been on both sides. I've owned an accounting firm. Uh, even before then, done a lot of consulting in Asia, in Australia, in America, all around. Um, in my mid-20s, before I got married, and of course, I couldn't do 100% travel. And then I set up my accounting firm in Tennessee, um, again, just that desire to work with small business, because I've always felt that small businesses or growing businesses, obviously small businesses aspiring to be medium-sized and large businesses is really the, the foundation of any economy. So I've always had that interest in that. Um, I've also been a member of several boards of companies, I guess because of my experience and also um, as a as a daughter of um, an entrepreneur who also had very high or very, he had dreams for how he could take his own business um, 
beyond himself. So that's also developed my interest in corporate governance. Uh, also, also, I'm also the chair of, uh, of a very fast growth company, and we saw the need to put corporate governance in place, and that has really helped to really grow the business. So I, I hope this is just a high-level overview so that we can get into more of the conversations. Yeah, it's really interesting. Thank you for that. I remember on our conversation with um, on Caroline's Facebook Live, you were talking about the importance of building a blueprint as business owners. And can you speak more about that? Just unpack that a little bit. And if you have any advice for founders that are building their family businesses and seeking for a legacy enterprise, how can they involve the next generation in building this blueprint? Yes, this is extremely important. I would say it's critical because when you start a business, it's actually a, it's a, an entity that it's different from you per se. And so, you know, it says begin with the end in mind, Stephen Covey, just like in the business, begin with the end in mind, have a vision of what you would like that business to be. I think of Microsoft, even before Microsoft, uh, let's look at um, um, tempting of some really strong American companies that have gone beyond crafts, craft foods. They all started with very small, um, just, just, it was just a one man shop, even Ford, Ford, that is now this Ford company. But having, thinking about what is possible and thinking about what is possible, obviously is going to be beyond you beyond you in terms of at some point you you likely will not even have the skills and the expertise to take that business to the next level and um, and so thinking about those that will succeed you and when i mean succeeding it doesn't mean when you have passed on it may be you know what i want to do something else and thinking through that will help make the right decisions in terms of how you navigate moving forward Let's contrast that with if you did not have a blueprint where it's really more around necessity. And in my research, there are actually two types of business or forms, necessity entrepreneurship and opportunity entrepreneurship. And opportunity entrepreneurship are the ones that really think beyond just surviving. So, and a lot of African com uh, companies from research shows that a lot of them are necessity entrepreneurs. And a lot because of it, they don't have a blueprint but a blueprint, even if you're just surviving, but being able to think beyond yourself, because mm -hmm. that's really when you're able to really um, get the dividends of the sacrifice of what you did, because starting a business is not easy. The, the uh, percentage of uh, failure is very, very high. Mm -hmm. So in the, you know, the, uh, the odds of you succeeding you can actually improve that by having that blueprint because then you're able to identify the gaps that you would have even from now and who to reach out for help. So it's extremely critical. And I believe that's something that's really missing um, with African businesses. Fair enough, there's a need to necessarily survival, but no matter how you are, it could still be that survival, but having that thought, and it's, it doesn't cost you anything, just being able to cast the vision, the dream of what you have. And then you begin to put building blocks there. Some people may say, oh, a blueprint, you know, you've done it. And, and that may 
it might stifle my growth. But no, a blueprint is a blueprint. It's just about crystallizing some of your thoughts. And as the more you expand your thinking, the more the blueprint expands and you just keep adding to what you already have. Mm, so I guess then um, if it's an ever working document that you're expanding your thinking and expanding the blueprints, then I, I'm guessing the, the, the blueprints can also evolve with the next generation coming on board and also submitting their ideas. What are your thoughts on, on Absolute, how? Absolutely. So if I'm speaking to like, let's say, perhaps somebody, maybe their late 50s or 60s who set up a business, maybe when they're in their early 20s and um, maybe now have children. I'm going to talk of children because it's not necessarily your children. It could be family or it could even be your managers. But for this example, I'm going to say children. Um, obviously, you would desire, most people desire to have their children be a part of that. But you're also a part of making that happen. And so even from, an, so maybe you started the business in your 30s, right? Involving the children where, um, when they are still young, getting them in summer vacation, um, vacation jobs, letting them know what's going on, then they become interested in it. Also, they may not be, they may have a different um, career uh, trajectory and, and that's okay. But at least from an early age, uh, you know, or early, early, early phase, you know, you know which direction. Then that can as well help you to um, update or, or, or tweak your blueprint because it's still a blueprint, even though you may have like five, 10 year plan and things like that. But definitely getting them involved from an early age is very important. If I think of, you know, growing up, um, my father would always involve us in what's going on in all his businesses. So we were really aware. It was always one of those discussion, items of discussion. Um, and so, you know, we were all part of it, even though he was the one, you know, running and had managers and all that. So extremely important um, for, for that to happen. I think of like the Indians. I think I gave that example some time ago as well mm. in Kenya. This, this Ken, you know, the, um, the Kenyan Indians, so to speak. I mean, they came in, came into Kenya, I believe, to, uh, to build railways and all that. And they started with little mom and pop shops. Yeah. And, and now they are like conglomerates here, you know. So it's, and some of the things I've read about them, um, the children, you know, would do some, when it was still a mom and chop, pop little shop maybe a hardware store you know or grocery store and um, they would get involved summer jobs they would do that walk the floor so they understood that then they left the country for um to further the education they would still come back but now they've developed the skills of moving that business to maybe several mom and pop shops to put in systems structures um, being able to acquire other companies with that knowledge which obviously their parents did not have but they've now come back and now working in those businesses and I really have grown. So it's now multi-generational um, business and that's happening in Africa, you know, so um, it's, it's not impossible to do. Or rather, it's very positive to be very possible to do. Um, very possible, not impossible. I'd rather do very possible. <laughs> Um, and looking further into that, just dig, dig, diving a little deeper into that thought mm. processes, what do you think um, 
is the impact of life transitions on family businesses and uh, how do they affect family businesses? Because here you were talking about transitions from leaving the business and going out um, overseas to get more education and so forth. Do all next gens come back and ultimately join the business? And um, what happens when there's marriages and all the different aspects that come with just living life? Yeah, you know, life happens. <laughs> One could be, maybe for example, the child may have gone uh, to the States and found somebody they loved and said, hey, mom and dad, I'm not coming back. I want to be, instead of being a business, I want to take up music and play music, you know? And that's, that, that happens. Um, and, and so what do you do? Again, it's looking at the blueprint. The, the person still has their life of their own. It doesn't mean that they are not going to be, um, for example, shareholders. They're, not, they're going to continue being shareholders, but not owner managers. So it's also important to think of this um, distinguishing between an owner of the business or having some shares in the business to being an, a manager of the business, right? So in this case, depending on the relationship, they know that this is still an asset that will pass on to them if they are involved in, in ensuring its growth. And so being involved in, for example, hiring the right managers will be great. You know, but obviously depending on the founders to involve, to involve the, the, the children early on so that they're also interested. It, you know, it's, you don't have to be, in fact, you may get better managers than, than the children. And it's important to realize that. So it's not like you must have them, but getting them involved is very important. Of course, transitions beyond that, um, life happens. It could be, um, you know, for example, maybe a, a husband and wife had a business and there was a, a separation and subsequently a divorce. Um, what happens then? Or um, sickness or death. So it's also important to kind of think about those kind of things. It's like having, you know, like insurance for your life and just thinking, or not insurance, but risk, risk assessment managing what are the potential risks that could happen. And the risk elements are actually finite, right? So if there is a divorce, what's going to happen? Who takes what? It depends on how, what, how the divorce was. Is it going to be, is it, was it amicable? And then your co-parents, do I sell your, my shares? Like in the case of Amazon, where the husband and wife, um, I believe she sold, he sold part of the business to her or something like that, but they were able to separate. Things happen. Or, or sickness, um, how do you deal with that? Obviously, I can't give, I can't prescribe on what to do, but it's important to think of um, these things that unplanned life events that could be positive or negative and thinking through that doesn't mean that the, that's the end of the business. It will mean the end of the business if you've not thought it through of what could happen in the unlikely events of these life events. Yes, that's really, really wise. And just, you know, you're obviously a female and an African female. And, you know, we have a lot of gender-based limitations in, in the business sphere and in society. And you've emerged very successfully in spite of the obstacles you may have faced on your journey. I just wanted to know, what are your thoughts on the role of African women in family businesses? Um. 
obviously I would say that I guess from the way I was brought up as well, it's not really male or female. And interestingly, I was um, not until I believe I moved back. I never saw myself as like a female. I just saw myself as a person and I would do the best, you know, when I was in doing consulting and um, in Australia, in Hong Kong and all of those, I never saw myself as a, an African woman, but a consultant who would put in their best. It's lately mm. that I read, actually, there are, um, you know, there are differences, there are different perspectives. And then I began to have um, an appreciation um, mm. of that. So I would say it has to do with your mindset and how, and, and, and I guess the reason why I, I, I think this way, I have thought this way, has been the way I've been brought up. You know, I'm the eldest of um, five children. And um, my father was never like, um, okay, because the boy who is the fourth will have, um, you know, undue advantage or something. If I went, went always like first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and me being the first. So when there was a, um, uh, a spot or where he wanted to um, retire from the company that he set up that is now on the stock exchange, well, I had the um, requisite experience and it was not something to debate. It was, okay, NECA. Of course, I went through the normal due process, but put my name forward for that. Having said that, not everybody, I, a lot of people are not usually like that. Um, but I, I believe it's really one of awareness. And that's why, like, what AFF is doing is really needed um, in this to really educate and to bring awareness that, look, um, women are equally um, as um, as knowledgeable and can even can do a, a really good job, if not even better, from research. So it's not so much as the gender, but really more around the experience and the the experts, the experience or expertise and the skill set that this person is bringing. Um, and that's for both for male and female. I'm thinking of uh, um, and if, uh, a webinar that I was a guest on speaking. It was more of a Q and A. And a lady um, who is now like a manager, a director uh, in, in her mother's school um, has, hasn't been that way. I, not necessarily because of gender, but the woman has not, or the mother has not been as open in, let, in letting the next gen be as involved. I mean, there are things that she has ideas um, of how to improve the educational institution, but... Um, but has, mom has been very resistant to that change. And what I advised in this case was, it was important to set up a board, a board of non-executives who can also come in, perhaps the mom's age, or even a mixed, a diverse uh, group of men and women who would um, help um, raise the, the mom's awareness of the need for the daughter to, to take up more responsibilities. I bring that up because it's not just the male thinking that, um, that the, the female are not able to, but even the female. So I would say it's really a lack of awareness of, um, of really how, how uh, you know, females can, can work um, as well. Does that answer the question or should I? Yes, definitely it does answer the question. Um, and I'd like to look um, a little deeper in terms of um, the experiences you've had working with family businesses and um, some of the biggest challenges you saw family businesses facing 
that you think may be rectified by creating um, proper governance or creating proper succession plans? Okay, you, I mean, you've mentioned those two. I would also add them, um, maybe, uh, yeah, um, of course, the blueprints in which we started with Costco, having that is more like the vision of the company. Because obviously, if the founder's vision is really very limited, then it's going to come up with a very limited strategy or, you know, or just a vision of what's possible. Um, so awareness is, is, is critical. It's education of what the business can be. Um, kind of just thinking again of another webinar, a gentleman who has a pretty more like a, a trading store after the webinar said, hmm, I didn't know this much, you know, I, I wish I did know that, but given this noun in terms of putting the right governance, corporate governance in place, I will do that such that the business can outlive me and even how the current situation is. So corporate governance is extremely, and of course, having the family governance issues as well, but I'm just going to call it corporate and family governance is really very important. And it does not necessarily have to be when you are now, um, you know, you have multiple locations and all of that, even from where you are, um, you can have proper corporate governance in place. The IFC have to have a corporate governance matrix and starts with even like a one, you know, when you just few people and for example, putting the right um, systems in place. And when I even say so even just financial systems and being able to um, separate personal from the business, that's corporate governance for the level that you are in. And, you know, just treating that separately. And because what happens with um, founders is that, you know, because you think, oh, I'm the one that's labor done everything. And it's more like your baby and not wanting to let that baby go. Um, but when you think from the beginning that, you know what, it's, it's not the, the baby is not you and yourself. They are two identities, just like how your, your natural baby or your, you know, will eventually grow and you let that baby go or allow the baby be that same, same with the company that you can do that and, um, and let the business, the organization thrive. But for you to be able to do that, um, Governance is extremely um, important. There was a second element you mentioned, apart from the blueprint. Uh, just lost my train of thought. Succession planning. Yes, yeah, succession planning. Absolutely. So that's also with the uh, blueprint, you know, because again, for different reasons, you may be running your business for forty years, and that's what happens, like in Africa. And that's why you don't have multi generational um, uh, businesses, which really we can. If we, if we really had the mindset of doing and the planning to do that. Again, it's about bringing in um, the children, family members. And when you say bringing them, that's where you now have family governance in terms of understanding uh, the roles and responsibility. Because, you know, you have the family, you have the relationships, and you have the business separately. And, you know, with family, things can be quite emotional and all. So how do you detach those emotions from really business um, business um, decisions that need to be made. So there's, there's that family governance in place. Succession planning is kind of just like when I'm thinking of, um, you know, like an individual and a will, your estate planning, you already have an idea of the things that you want after you. And again, it's not necessarily when you have passed on, but even 
saying from 40 hours a week, I want to now be uh, 10 hours a week. Or you know what? I just want to be the chair of the company or a board, a, a, a board member. Things have to be put in play. And that's why it's a plan and that's succession. And thinking through what's the ideal. In this case, I would then say it's important to engage um, external consultants who are objective to, um, to decisions and would advise on, on best practices and what works for your own company rather than that. And then you are now detaching yourself from, because it's important to have like an objective perspective uh, to that, to help with that succession planning, um, even engaging with um, the next gen in terms of what their interests may be. Their interests may not be in this business. Maybe they've worked in it. In fact, you could have brought them in from an early age. They got involved, but interests change. They may not want to live in Africa and want to go somewhere else. But again, that's okay. If that conversation is held, and I would again reiterate having like an external um, party to be part of that. So there's that independence there and working out how can, how can uh, the next gen still be involved, but not necessarily, you know, you can work on the business and not necessarily in the business. And working in the business is where you now have, you get the right managers to, um, who are accountable to the board. And some of the family members can now be, um, on the board and providing that strategic direction for the business. And apart from that, getting some dividends, right? And that's where you mm. now talk of passive income, building wealth. Amazing. So much wisdom. Um, before we wrap up, I just wanted to know whether you have any final remarks, final comments for the audience. Um, well, yeah, I have several. <laughs> um, one, I guess I would speak to the founders. Um, it's important, you know, it's like your, um, it's like your, your legacy or something that you've birthed. Um, I believe it's your responsibility to ensure that it outlives you. And there are ways you could do that. One, engaging independent uh, consultants um, so that they can be a part of that process with you so that you are, you, you, we are removing the emotions from that. Um, involve the next gen early enough, get their perspective, especially as things are changing very, very quickly. So they would see things, you know, now and I'm thinking of even some banks, financial institutions that are bringing in really the next gen onto the boards because they bring in um, a perspective that the older ones don't or even very big tech companies and um, where you have multi-generations working in that um, organization. So likewise, you can adapt that model as well. I also speak to the next gen, you know, it's also um, recognizing the amount of sacrifice and labor that the founders, your parents have put in place and um, acknowledging that and appreciating that. Um, there, you know, there's wisdom that comes with age um, and recognizing that. So, um, you know, being open to sharing that, but also in our culture, in a respectful manner, right? Because they've, they've done that. And uh, at times there's a, that, that wisdom that, um, that they have that you're not able to see because of you don't have as much experience as they do. And then uh, last but not the least to my um, fellow female <laughs> uh, gender, 
um, it's important as well to um, to kind of not, you know, at times you have this um, what's the, this kind of bias already because you are a female and are not able to go further, go further than you can. I think if we also stop thinking ourselves in that manner, like, okay, I'm, uh, you know, I can do whatever I want to do and get the experience and the knowledge, then I don't have to be labeled like that. Of course we are, we're not going to take that for granted. Um, so it's important that all parties recognize it and, but not just given the opportunity because the, you know, because of, um, what's it called? Um, like affirmative action, right? Um, so it's important to train up the, the, um, female, the females in your group. It's you, you, you get more, you know, you get more of that. So those are my final remarks around that. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been great to have you here, um, Ms. Neka. How can people get in touch with you should they want to have a further conversation? Okay, so um, one by LinkedIn, um, Neka Ngobi, double N-E-K-A um, Ngobi. I think that's probably the fastest. Um, I have several websites. NekaNgobi.com is also good, but I would say LinkedIn because LinkedIn, I can get a message and then we, could, um, we can take it up from there. Amazing. Amazing. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nick and Titsi. This was lovely. Um, and um, yeah, looking forward to the amazing things that you'll be doing on the continent to support family-owned businesses as well as females, African female founders of, um, of family-owned businesses. So I'm really excited and looking forward to the amazing transformation that you'll be a part of. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the kind words.